This podcast contains real talk about the mayhem of motherhood, along with a weekly medical mystery. Because all of these topics can be pretty graphic, and because we use explicit language, listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Motherhood, Mayhem, and Medical Mysteries podcast. On this show, we are not attempting to solve the major medical mysteries of the world or tell you how to raise your kids. We are definitely not doctors or scientists of any kind. We are just two moms here to provide you with support, resources, and maybe a few laughs along the way. We do a lot of research and will definitely share the things we learn, but please talk to a professional if you have specific concerns about your experiences. She once convinced me to eat spinach dip out of a hotel ice bucket. Here's Melanie. And here's Miranda. She is the oldest of three daughters. Well, Melanie's over here reminding me that she did wash the hotel ice bucket with the hotel soap in the hotel sink. So we can assure ourselves that there was no lurking. What did you talk about the other week? Listeria or? (laughs) It was fine. It was completely fine. I cannot believe that you were so sketched out by that. Like I have done so much sketchier stuff than that. I guess it just bothered me because hotels just kind of gross me out in general because there's just so many people but i watched it it. it's fine it was fine but we're not here to talk about hotels tonight we are here to talk about fathers why melanie why because this is our father's day episode and we are fully aware that we are very mom centric around here but let's be real none of us are moms without some form of a father being involved some some form some form in some capacity there was something that made that happen so thanks to those forms out there a hundred percent so i i think we we were kind of kicking around ideas for this episode and i I think we were going to talk about like our own dads and I don't know why Miranda but this was so heavy my dad first of all is awesome he's the best he really is but I was thinking about those teenage years like when you're in high school and Mm -hmm. everything that your parents do is so embarrassing oh my gosh yes yes okay (laughs) so I want to tell you this one story to about my father so we had this coach slash teacher who at the time we all were very uh how could I put it like aggravated by him he was very strict he was a rules guy um he expected a lot out of us. In retrospect, mm-hmm. I actually have a lot of respect for him now, but in that era, this particular right. guy was tough for us kids. Yeah. Well, we would have these sports banquets at the end of every sports season, which I'm sure all of you all who are listening have experienced a sports banquet, right? Oh, they're the best. Everybody gets a trophy and the mashed potatoes at the Quincy's buffet is on point. Oh no, honey. I this was the nineties. There was no Quincy's. These were like in the high school auditorium. 
Oh gosh, we went to the Quincy's. No, babe. there was it's no like Quincy's. one step up from the Shoney's <laughs> right across from Kroger where I still get all my shirts. Yeah. So all of our <laughs> parents would be there. And as you all know, I am an only child, but I do have cousins, one a couple years older than me and one a year younger than me that went to the same school. And we were always involved in the same sports. So we would be at these, you know, sports banquets and my father would be in the audience and our our coach had a habit of saying like really embarrassing teenage things. Like anybody who's listening who's from my hometown is immediately going to know who I'm talking about. <laughs> but he would drop something and he would go, dag nabbit. Or, <laughs> well, for whatever reason, my father thinks dag nabbit is hilarious and would laugh louder than any other <laughs> person in the entire auditorium. And I one time this happened cuz my dad has like a like a barking laugh and like when he yeah, thinks something he does. is he funny does. Uh -huh. There's no stopping it. Like you can't, yep. it's coming out. Yep. <laughs> and I remember so this true. one time in particular, I, I don't remember what year it was, but I know that both of my cousins were also there and our coach dropped something that he was, you know, because he had certificates that he was giving everybody and he goes, oh, dag nabbit and like bends <laughs> down to get it and my dad, louder than is required for the space that we're in, barks oh, this laugh out. And I look and both <laughs> of my cousins and myself have our heads down and like our hands covering oh, our no. faces. Right, 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 right. Because you're so easily embarrassed at that age. Oh it's my like, gosh, oh my like God. anything Dad. is so easily embarrassing. <laughs> now, honestly, as I was thinking about it, I mean, I still remember like my cheeks get red thinking about how embarrassing that was to me. But when oh, you put wow. all, all of these years that I've lived between then and now, I can't help but think like my dad was not only there like he was you know he was an active participant in this situation and like a lot of kids don't have that so that's true that's true I really should have been more forgiving but when you're a teenager oh it's the worst it's the worst but I I just love that <laughs> of all of the things that could cause your dad to laugh <laughs> somebody dropping their papers and saying conflab is what tickles his funny bone. Excuse me, Dagnabbit. Dagnabbit. Yes. <laughs> Which is really interchangeable for Conflabbit. It'd probably make him laugh too. I, but I, anything would have, honestly. But it's such a thing, though, because like when I was trying to think about stories about my dad, the the things that rose to the surface of my mind also were about how he embarrassed me so much and he and I love my dad so much he's incredible but he has such a big personality and anytime I had friends over anytime I, I did something with a group of people he had to like come down and insert himself and do this like dance or something oh, or no or he would talk like super super country he'd, he'd be like well what are you kids doing down here oh, no. you know he was he like had to put on a show he's very much like you know, theatrical. I, I don't know where that, I guess that's a long line of us, but oh my gosh, 
he would pick me up from school and he had like a Jeep and he would have the top off of the Jeep and he would just be like shirtless in the Jeep, oh, in the car oh no. rider pickup line. Oh no. And I'm like, you know, in eighth grade, like trying to be all cool. And here comes my dad, like shirtless with his sunglasses in the Jeep, just like, you know, pale ass, like farmer stand, <laughs> just like just rolling up in the Jeep. And then at Halloween, he would wear Halloween masks through the car rider pickup line oh, and like no. roll down. He would roll down the window and like witch laugh at all the kids like. <laughs> And then I'm the kid. I'm like the dorky kid, like with my lunchbox and my backpack. And I'm just like, oh, my God, I hate my life. I'm so embarrassed. He did it all the time. He had one of those hats that had like the Joe Dirt hair, you know, coming down. Oh, yeah. Those yeah. are bad. Oh, yeah. And he would just pull up through the car ride or pick up one. You never knew what he was going to do. And if he was coming to pick me up, it was going to be a meltdown on my part. It was going to be a scene. Wow. But the worst thing, the worst thing he ever made me do uh, was when he was getting ready to open the bowling alley, which that could be its own episode just about the bowling alley that my family owned. And I don't know where he found this costume, but it was like this giant feathered chicken with like fake legs dangling on it like somebody was riding it, you know? And I've seen them now. They're like inflatable, but this one was like a giant feathered monstrosity was it the with like thunder chicken? it was the thunder chicken it was the og thunder chicken because later we had a costume with like a head that was like a full body thunder chicken costume but the original thunder chicken was the one with the fake legs that you like rode around and he was getting ready to open the bowling alley so he was doing all of this publicity and like trying to promote it I kid you not he took me to the mall I was probably like 12 11 or 12 no. at the time we printed off a stack of flyers and like coupons you know bowl one game second game free whatever and we are going through the mall and I am like handing out flyers to strangers next to my my dad who looks like he's riding a giant feathered chicken oh no yeah and, he made and like, you do that <laughs> oh yeah 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 and I'm like encountering my friends and my dad's just like oh hey Miranda there's your friends up ahead let's <gasps> make sure we give them some oh. coupons and I'm like no <laughs> And now it's just so funny. And I'm, I'm, you know, in a weird way, I'm very thankful for it because my dad is like he doesn't care what other people think. Like, he's just going to do his thing. He's going right. to have his personality. He's going to be himself. And like, well, like, I respect that. Like, my dad's so, going to have his laugh. It, you're not changing laugh that. at Dag Nabbit for sure. <laughs> <laughs> what would we do without these these father figures I in our really, lives? I so, really, really don't know. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know, and it's it's funny to see like the the kind of father that Brad is becoming and he's definitely not the embarrassing one. If anything, that's gonna be me when Fisher's a oh, little bit older. Yeah, definitely. I fully I can expect that. Completely see that. I fully expect that. But I have to give my hubby a shout out because that man is the morning man in our house because <laughs> I am not. And so he is up in the morning, he handles the morning routine. Every single day he makes Fisher like a smoothie with all kinds of vitamins and nutrients and minerals and all this stuff. He's 
such a big help in that way. So I can kind of be my best self because he handles that. And that's like a daily thing that I can count on. And it's just, it's awesome. So he's, he's a really great parenting partner. I I count myself blessed. And so far I haven't had to um, go to the mall with him dressed like a chicken. Oh my gosh. No, (laughs) I would, I would never. Oh my gosh. To be that age. And, and I'm actually starting to catch on like that. My husband does not look like anybody else's dad. It, it's very true. <laughs> he's yeah. He's very <laughs> tall with very long hair and a beard and, and an equally long beard. Yeah. And he's very skilled when it comes to music and he knows mm. a lot about video games, which as far as Jonah is concerned, that's his favorite quality of Jeremy's. He really <laughs> could care less about anything else. But yeah, it's like I watch Jonah's friends look at him and they're like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> this guy looks like a rocker and like he Jerry, legitimately like, is but you know they're like, like nine. sunglasses they don't right. know yeah, what yeah, that yeah. is you know oh my gosh <laughs> i would like want his autograph if i was their age i'd be like can i have your autograph mr jeremy sir <laughs> right right <laughs> he, i mean he seriously looks like He's like a celebrity. I mean, he's he's oh kind no, of is he a definitely like, does have like he that has that look to it. He does. It's crazy, but it's amazing. It, it so, yeah. is funny to watch the the kids, and then you know all that Jonah has to say about it at this point is, I think he should get a job with a better schedule. <laughs> and I'm like, that that part is hard. One day you'll understand. Okay, uh, one day. That's right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Because when you look back and you think about like, you know, hey, your dad's putting out CDs and playing all these shows and like, well, I mean, I don't think anybody's going to look back and think somebody's putting out CDs. It's 2023. I guess that's true. Okay, but he's on Spotify, everybody. (laughs) Give, Give sweet, sweet a listen. Okay. Give sweet, sweet a listen. That's the plug we're gonna do. (laughs) Dad's. And Jeremy has that really cool song on his album where it's like, uh, hello, my son, you've only begun. Mm -hmm. So little Father's Day. Look, I just got goosebumps just with that one. It's so good. Such a good song, everybody. Check it out. On this super, super special Father's Day episode, what medical mystery have you prepared for us and our listeners? Well, Miranda, you know, I get excited about offbeat topics. Today, we are actually going to talk about men's health. I thought oh, okay. that, that was very yeah. fitting. We're That's going, very apropos. Apropos, if you will. We're going <laughs> to talk about men's health, and then there is actually a medical mystery towards the end of what I'm going to talk about oh, here. Okay. All right. We're going to start off by saying that the average man pays less attention to his health than the average woman. Do you agree? Oh, that's that's believable. That's believable, I think. <laughs> I, I fully believe that. Um, yeah. Compared to women, men are more likely to drink alcohol and use tobacco, make risky choices, not see a doctor for regular checkups, and they are prone to a number of diseases that can affect anyone, including heart disease, stroke, diabetes, cancer, and depression, but they also have the unique issues like prostate cancer or prostate enlargement. So 
they share all the same medical possible issues with women, but then they also have their own. Many major health risks that men can can face can be prevented with a healthy lifestyle. We love to talk about healthy we lifestyles really on this do. podcast, you guys. <laughs> and that does not exclude the fellas it, from that it conversation. Doesn't. Now, a healthy lifestyle includes regular exercise, a healthy diet, not smoking, reducing stress, and keeping alcohol consumption in the moderate range, mm. which, as defined by Harvard Health, is no more than two drinks a day. Okay. Okay. That sounds doable, guys. That sounds doable. It sounds doable, but it sounds like some people might need to make some changes. I guess the question is, two drinks per day, I mean, do you get to just multiply that out and say that's 14 drinks a week? And, like, maybe if you pound all 14 no. on, like, a Saturday, no. like, you're it still under that it, it radar. Doesn't, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way, guys. So don't try that because that's not solving the problem, fellas. Okay? So the goal is two drinks or less per day. Or... Period. Yeah. Period. Well, period. Okay. But I feel like maybe a healthier option would be like three or four drinks once a week there you and go. nothing on the other days but anyway or don't drink at all that's also, also. a really good option i mean yeah. neither miranda and i are adhering to it right now but sorry sorry team these churn be wild no kidding <laughs> we, we all right need it. <laughs> so here is the medical mystery across already the, it's already it's time already for the medical, the medical mystery, mystery. Oh gosh. Across okay. the lifespan, from infancy to the teen years to midlife to old age, the risk of death at every age is higher for boys and men than it is for girls and women. That kind the of risk of death is higher. Yep. So probably compounding all of the things that you just talked about, lack of preventative health care, not going to the doctor, you know, maybe compound that with like the riskier lifestyle and those kinds of things yeah. that you were talking and about. And we're, we're going to talk about it smoke, a bit. More but, likely to drink. Well, I found some really interesting statistics. So um, the most current study that I could find was completed in 2021, and it showed that the life expectancy for women in the United States is an average of 79.1 years. And for men, it is 73.2, which wow. that's an almost a six-year age gap. Yeah, yeah. Now, I do feel like it's important for me to mention, and I probably should have said this at the top, but none of the data or statistics that I'm citing include the differences among non-binary or trans people. We've mentioned yeah. that on the podcast before. Gender is a much bigger concept than we originally um, right. understood. Right. So these are statistical analysis, and they don't account for that. Right. And so much of like medical research hasn't caught up to that. They're, right. you know, <laughs> there's they're a just lot now starting to include, you know, those gender identities in their research studies and things. So I'm, great point. I'm sure it's years to come in the future. OK, so here's the irony, at least in my mind. Men are advantaged in essentially every aspect of our society in the U.S., yet they have worse health outcomes. Oh, my gosh. What a what a great point. 
That's so true. Bizarre, right? That's now, so true. that's relating to our American society, but the longevity gap between men, men and women is a global situation. So oh, there's wow. more to it. And, and we're doing hmm. this is, as usual, a very shallow dive. But while I was doing all of this research, I found a few statistics that I felt I had to share with you all. I love it when you share statistics, by the way. Okay. Well, I'm glad you Especially do. When I you... hope that everybody else does. <laughs> Does. Especially when you share all the data with us. I love to share the data. See, see what I uh, see what I did there? Yes, I I got your pun. Okay. You're Sorry, very punny. <laughs> okay, when it comes to diabetes, more men die from diabetes than women. The death rate for men is 31.2 per 100,000 people versus oh, wow. 19.5 for women. That's like twice as much almost. Almost. It's a, at least a third more. The wow. cancer mortality rate for men is higher at 190 per 100,000 as compared to 136 per 100,000 women. So that's a good chunk higher as well. Black men actually have the highest risk of cancer death at a rate of 228 per 100,000 people. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So the other crazy thing is this isn't just adult men. It is for, for teens, the death rate among boys and teens aged 10 to 19 is 44.5% per 100,000 whereas for girls it's 21.3 so that's so twice as much more there. than double yeah my goodness and that kind of goes back to what you're talking about like engaging in risky behavior mm -hmm. i bet a i bet lot it of those is teenage too. boys with that testosterone just through the roof you know impulse control is out the window and, and we may make some dumb decisions that is very true but then even among infant the mortality rate is really? higher really for boys it's six per 1000 and for girls it's five so it's less of a gap mm -hmm. but yeah. still yeah that's interesting you know. yeah um wow. men die by suicide nearly four times more often than women and that mm. was based on a study done in 2020 by the cdc mm. And the rate of suicide is highest for middle-aged white men. Hmm. So I just feel like it's very interesting to look at, you know, they're advantaged in almost every aspect, but also. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And and I think, you know, we can speculate on a lot of different causes there or like things that could contribute. But if if you're talking about a white middle age man, is he in like a high pressure job where he's, you know, dealing with a lot right. of stress every day? And then maybe he's been conditioned his whole life because a middle aged man right now is going to be very different from a middle aged man in 50 years. Maybe that middle aged man has been taught like more along the lines of like toxic masculinity and right. Boys don't and cry and hide your feelings and don't have emotions. And then they're not getting any help when they do struggle with like depression, anxiety, all these kinds of you things. You nailed it. And we're going to get to that in one second. But I have to share this last statistic. statistic. In 2020, 72% of all motor vehicle crash deaths were male. Wow. 72%. Men hmm. also accounted for 71% of pedestrian deaths 
87% of bicyclist deaths and 92% of motorcycle accident related deaths. Oh my gosh. So y'all men. What is going on guys? What is going on? This is not okay. Wear a helmet. Be safe out there. Now, now amongst the medical community for years, it has been widely held belief that women use too many health care resources compared to men. The men have been viewed as essentially the standard for seeking health care, while women are often dismissed as hysterical or anxious when they seek care. <laughs> I love the finger quotes there. I'm sorry, because I I mean, we've all met a hysterical woman and an it's anxious so I'm woman. Right here. Hello, it's nice to meet you. But <laughs> My it's name's so Miranda. funny that that is like the perception amongst the medical community. Oh like here, here we are, she's hysterical. When they try to explain, like back to the longevity gap, the fact that men live shorter lives than women do on on average. The reasons are not fully understood, and that is completely the medical mystery. Because of the global nature of the disparity, it suggests that obviously there might be some biology involved. They believe that it may be high levels of testosterone, which testosterone can weaken the immune response. So there's that. Oh, okay. But there's also cultural biases around masculinity, which you were just mentioning, that Mm -hmm. teach boys and men to hide their feelings and not complain. Not cool. Don't do it, people. It's not cool. And and it's important to know that depression in men is very deceptive. Like men as in general, men are socially programmed to not complain. And that's why oftentimes if there's a suicide situation, it's very unexpected because sure. people are bottling and burying. Mm-hmm. And that's so true because like, you know, adjacently knowing men who have fallen into that category and have committed suicide, everyone says, we never saw this coming. We had no idea. Like we would have gotten him help. We would have done something, but all signs pointed to normal, all signs pointed to fine. So we didn't know. Right. A hundred percent. And I've known several folks that fall into that category, sadly. Um, The cultural expectation in most societies is to remain stoic as a man, which delays men's care. So this this causes issues even in diseases like diabetes or hypertension or heart disease because they're waiting longer because, you know, they have to be the tough guy. And when you wait longer to treat conditions like that, then they're in their later stages and the treatment outcomes are going to be poorer than they would have been otherwise. If they had done something sooner. And then also, of course, men are much more known to engage in risky behaviors such as drug or alcohol use, smoking, reckless driving. And while the reasons behind that are not fully understood, that is largely a male characteristic. Not to say that there aren't some women out there doing some wild stuff. But Mm -hmm. men are more likely to do it. Now, when it comes to studying and understanding all of this stuff, the folks in the medical community who would love to figure out the life expectancy gap, they're just 
they find that there tends to be an empathy gap, like as a world mm. where like people shrug and are like, yeah, men die, die younger. That's, that's the way it is. Wow. And so there is kind of a whole movement within the medical community that they're trying to study and kind of figure this out. Like what is the biology between the life expectancy gap. Yeah. If I had to summarize all of this, for all of you men and all of you ladies, get your men to not be the average man. And Miranda and I I know how hard that can be because (laughs) motivation (laughs) and nagging, it's a very fine Uh, line. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do an episode on that. (laughs) But get them on board with protecting their health. Go for those regular checkups and screenings because it's easiest to treat things when you find them right off the bat. Right. Makes sense. Makes sense. And that's all and I we, have to say about that. We we love these guys. We love these fellas. We, we love need these, them. These father figures. We love them. And we need them to take care of themselves because we love them so much. So have that conversation with your husband, quotation marks, your parenting partner, father figure, whoever that looks like for you. Yeah, make sure that they're they're taking care of themselves because we love them. We love there them. is no space for toxic masculinity in twenty twenty three. No, 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 no. That's that's gross. We no, that's not okay. We don't do that. You said something about testosterone weakens the immune system. That's right. Yes. So I wonder how that little piece of information contributes to the man flu. <laughs> I don't know that that has anything to do with the man flu. Okay, Miranda, so our Dad's Day episode, what are you going to teach us? Well, you know, we are motherhood mayhem and medical mysteries. You gave us a male medical mystery. Um, So I want to give us kind of a fatherhood thing. So and I kind of want to preface that, of course, like, you know, again, gender identification, maybe we don't all identify as dads. But I want to talk about dad play, which is also known as rough and tumble or big body play. So playing with your kids in more of like a father style. I feel like traditionally women kind of do more social play with kids. Yeah. And dads do more of this like rough and tumble, rough housing, wrestling kind of play. And I don't know about you, but I feel like every single person has like at least one uncle and that's just what they're known for is like slinging you around like you're a rag and Mm -hmm. like just, yeah. Yeah, we all have that uncle. So shout out to you. (laughs) Uncle Phil in the blank. (laughs) Uncle Phil in the blank. (laughs) So some examples of rough and tumble play. What we're talking about here is like wrestling, pushing and shoving, tickling, pillow fighting, chasing, uh, rolling, tumbling around, jumping on the bed, piggyback rides, all these kind of big body play styles. Can I throw in a couple examples from my own childhood? Okay. Now, this is is borderline weird but my (laughs) parents house the the room where the tv is we always called it the den is like two steps down from the rest of the Mm -hmm. house so my mom would get me out of the bath and i would use one of those like baby towels but i was like a toddler i was like three or four Mm -hmm. but i would put Mm -hmm. the part that goes on the head on my head and it would be like a cape 
Oh, and cool. I would run down the hallway and my dad would catch <laughs> me. I would like jump off the step and my dad would nice. catch me. Like I have nice. many memories of that. And then the <laughs> oh. other thing that I always wanted him to do, we called it helicopter. Oh gosh. My dad would lay on his back on the floor. Yes. And he would put me on his feet. And then yeah, he yeah. would like spin me around yes. with his feet. Yes. <laughs> now I do also recall that my mother was almost about to die every time we were doing right. this. And I right, never right. understood why. But there is a hearthstone in that room. It's a very mm. narrow room. And so my dad is spinning me on his feet next oh my to the fireplace oh hearthstone. Oh my gosh. Just close enough for your skull to just but anyways, shatter. <laughs> I feel like those are both really good examples of what you're Yes, talking that's about. exactly what we're talking about. I love it. And, you know, again, I think it's just kind of that classic more it's just more of a style, right? Right. I dug in, I did a lot of research here. I looked at a lot of actually like peer reviewed journals and things. And really there are so many benefits to rough and tumble play for kids, uh, boys and girls. Like this is just really a great way to, to play with kids. And when it comes to this type of play, I feel like a lot of people are really hesitant in some ways to engage in this and they kind of are turned off by this style of play. Uh, one principal argument there, or I guess misconception, is people believe that roughhousing will make your child more aggressive or mean. But there was actually a controlled study that was done and they found that rough and tumble really only becomes into full-blown fighting less than 1% of the time. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. So, and there's some things to look for. I'll get to those later because obviously, you know, if you are concerned that something is bordering on aggressive behavior, we need to put a stop to that. So we'll we'll talk about that in a little bit. But I want to provide a quote here. This was a really great article that I found by Dr. Michael Yogman. Uh, it's called The Power of Play, and it was published in the American Academy of Pediatrics Journal back in 2018. It's very highly referenced um, and very highly researched, and, and he he did his work here. Uh, and he says, play promotes the social, emotional, cognitive, language, and self-regulation skills that build executive function and a pro-social brain. Furthermore, play supports the formation of the safe, stable, and nurturing relationships with all caregivers that children need to thrive. They found in this study that play actually reduces cortisol, which is the stress hormone in your body. Right. And it improves brain plasticity by increasing the rate of neuron synapses that are going on. Wow, that's important. So, yeah, so really, really healthy for your brain and your body. And kind of going back to like what you were talking about when it comes to like men, um, maybe not knowing how to deal with stress in good ways, like this can actually be a great outlet for dads to play like this with their kids too. It's kind of a win-win. Right. As long as it's done the right way. Exactly. And we need to talk about that because mm -hmm. if we do it the right way, there are so many benefits. So let's let's kind of talk about some of those benefits. And this came from an article out of Fatherly, which is really highly, you know, everybody's heard of Fatherly. Mm -hmm. That's a great 
great resource. So some benefits here are social boundaries and communication. And that goes right back to what we're talking about when it comes to boundaries. And if play is bordering on crossing somebody's boundaries, the understanding is that you need to respect that person's boundaries, right? right? So if somebody says, stop, you need to stop. So that builds social boundaries and teaches social boundaries, which is actually really healthy for your kids to understand. Like no means no. This kind of reinforces all of those great things we want our kids to learn. Kind of goes back to like the old school, like uncle, right? Right. Who was That was the OG uncle, by the way. We- weird <laughs> uncle, whoever. Right. <laughs> the other thing uh, that, that can be a benefit here is impulse control and kind of learning self-regulation and emotional regulation. When it comes to play, we want to be mindful of those impulses and know, again, when to stop. So maybe before that person says stop, you can pick up on their cues that, oh, they don't like what I'm doing anymore. This is getting a little out of hand and you pull back, right? Right. Really important skills to learn. Fitness. Of course, fitness is huge because you are active and you kind of don't even know that you're active. But I don't know about you, but sometimes I've like tried to play like this with Fisher and I'm like out of breath huffing and puffing by the time and it's been like five minutes and I'm like oh my god I feel like I just got off the elliptical and did two miles well Jonah had (laughs) me in the backyard and our backyard is not the size of a soccer field but we were playing Mm -hmm. a uh, competitive game of soccer and I was exhausted (laughs) we um the other day we went to the playground and we were playing tag with Fisher because we we were the only ones there when we first got there. And then these other kids showed up and started trickling in. But oh, by that yeah. point, tag was established. And so we were kind of just players in this game. And me and Brad were both like, we both hit our step goal by like 10 a.m. that right, morning. Yeah. <laughs> we were just like, oh my God. <laughs> so lots of great fitness benefits here. And bonding. So think about this. All of those times that you came barreling down the hallway and jumped into your dad's arms with the, the towel trailing behind you. That's like a special memory that you guys both get to share now. So there's lots of benefits of bonding and making memories together with this type of play. You know, it's interesting, but I had never really thought about it, but there's like a huge trust thing in that particular one too. And and in a lot Mm -hmm. of these, but yep, you know, especially like, I'm so glad you brought that up. Like trust is so huge. Most of like rough and tumble when I think about it is like the kid is like skyborn, right? Right, right. like up in the air and there's this moment where it's like trust versus peril. I mean, I've and again, you learn and you you learn to trust and you recognize those boundaries and you pick up on those social cues and like, you know, if you're the mom and you're throwing your kid up in the air and their face is just sheer terror, it's like, "Oh, maybe I won't do that again." I feel like <laughs> right? this is a very heavy dad topic because I don't think us as moms are very are the best at this because we tend to be like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. It's like that like right. heart dropping kind of <laughs> sensation. And mm-hmm. I can remember Jonah ever since he was like a little baby, Jer's six foot three and he would mm-hmm. hold him like over his head like oh he was gosh. Superman <laughs> and like yeah, flying. Yeah. And oh, like God. Jonah loves it. Like, I mean, right. he would get like the little baby, like, and toddler laughs until he was like almost sick. But uh-huh. I couldn't be there. <laughs> like, I remember at one point I told Jared, I was like, you got to do that when I'm not here. 
Like Right, I, right. I don't want to see it. <laughs> like, he loves it. He's getting a lot out of it, but it is mm-hmm. not for mom. That's true. I think I think guys are just kind of wired this way. It's just kind of their natural way of playing with, with kids, more so than women. Not to say that, you know, there's not some, some ladies out there that do this really well. well not that, I'm not that mom. Well, I'm not that mom. <laughs> I mean, I used to throw him when I still could. I would throw him, like, in the swimming pool. But that was, like, a level oh, wow. of safety you know that that's a hardcore work well yeah no i ended up very sore but i was thinking <laughs> we have a mutual friend that like tosses their kid like yes. really high <laughs> and like yes. you yes. me and that child's mother all have to leave the room we're like oh my god slow down yeah yeah, yeah. he's woo. yeah that's so true i actually have a picture of him like throwing his son in the pool like and it's i mean you can measure it's like three and a half feet that his kids up there at least (laughs) i love this but i'm so glad you brought up like how do we make sure we're doing this safely the biggest thing we really have to look out for is aggression if you have a child that is enjoying dominating another child this is not an appropriate Mm -hmm. form of play no so you need to be very careful pay attention to their facial expressions look for those faces of fear faces of terror if you see a kid that's like really scared or trying to get away or, you know, really wants this to stop, you have to stop it because that's the whole point of engaging in this type of play is learning those boundaries and taking those calculated risks and negotiating in this whole thing. Be mindful of that. Sometimes, and I don't know about about Jer, but sometimes dads may get a little carried away and they may take it a little too far. And that's where sometimes we have to come in and say, that's enough. <laughs> Let's slow down, right? Jared's definitely not one of those dads. He's always very cautious and careful, but I know several of those mm-hmm. dads that take it too far. They just get a little carried away. I remember like tickling was huge when I was growing up because we were a family of three girls. Yeah. And so, you know, my dad didn't really want to like wrestle with us or like, you know, do anything super aggressive or physical, but we would get tickled all the time. And my mom would be like, give them a breathe break because we would, we would be laughing. You would be laughing so hard that we couldn't breathe. Right. And one time I peed on my grandpa because he was tickling me (laughs) so hard. And I just, I just peed and I told him, I'm like, I'm about to do it. I'm going to pee on you. And it just happened. So I have lots of pee stories where I peed on different people. But anyway, last thing I want to kind of talk about is even like as moms, how can we play with our kids better? Um, So there's a really great book that I read. It's actually a really sweet book. It's called The Power of Parent-Child Play by Lori Winslow. And she really outlines all of these great benefits of play and how we as parents really need to step it up and kind of do a better job. So the first thing she talks about in the book is why don't we play with our kids? Like we know it's so good for them. Why is it so hard for us to play with them? And when you think about it, you know, over time, like evolutionarily speaking, parents didn't play with their kids. You know, there were too many other things to do. And, you know, we had too many other things going on. So we're not really conditioned to play in adulthood like we are in childhood. And you see that, too, with like other animals, right? Right. We also have, and I know I can get an amen out of you on this one, limits to our time and 
and energy. Amen. I was hoping that you were coming to that. Like, actually, (laughs) when you first posed that question, I was like, oh, is she asking me? I'll tell you why. (laughs) This is what's up. Because I have have the time. I have 3,000 tasks, like really dumb, annoying tasks, none of which I'm going to enjoy, that I have to get done before 8.30 p.m., because then uh-huh. I have another list of tasks that I have to do mm-hmm. and play just doesn't fit. It's hard to make it fit. And you know what else? We are just tired. Very okay, tired. We are so tired. We are so damn tired. Very, very tired. <laughs> so limits to our time and energy can be big barriers so here. So tired and we can't sleep. It's true. It's true. Another one is lack of motivation. So like, you know, it's hard to sometimes just get motivated to play with your kid. And sometimes that's just a personality thing. Like maybe we feel too serious. Maybe we're down in the dumps. Maybe it just doesn't feel right to play with them. You know, we're not waking up like bouncing out of bed, you know. Oh, it's a wonderful day to play with my child. I mean, that sounded like you a little bit. But I I mean, I think that it could be a personality thing but i also feel like a lot of that has to do with tiredness level time and energy right it all goes back and then family stress so like if there's other things going on in the family that are consuming you mentally physically emotionally that's really hard to to sit down so Plus, we're so distracted. Oh, my God. We're like the most distracted people in the world. But we know play can be so beneficial. So how can we do a better job at playing with our kids and like incorporating this, taking a page out of the dad playbook and just being better at it? The first recommendation that Lori Winslow has in this book is to start with yourself. So think about how to nurture playfulness in your own self naturally. And she she goes into this, and I think it's actually really important. If you've experienced any kind of trauma, if you are experiencing any kind of mental illness, if you have low self-esteem, depression, all of these things, that's going to be in the way. That's going to be a barrier. And especially trauma, you know, especially when it comes to rough and tumble type play. If you have been sexually or uh, physically abused as a child, it can be very, very triggering to try to play with your child. So take care of yourself in those ways. Be mindful of that. Examine that and and learn to see if there's something that that you can do there to help yourself be, be more present with your kids. There's so many ways out there to get help. And then I really like this tip. Think about how to maximize what your child enjoys the most versus dragging them along to do something that you enjoy. Good thought. Yeah, I I feel like so often it's like, well, let's go play. And to us, playing means, you know, let's go fishing or let's go do this thing that I enjoy. Listen to some live music and drink a glass of wine. (laughs) Yeah. Your seven-year-old's not going to be into that. They're not having fun. They're not having fun. And 10 minutes of your time doing something that they enjoy and just going all in means so much more to them than spending all day dragging them around with you to do something that you enjoy. Again, think about your child's age, their personality, their interests, and spend time with them, even if it's just a little bit of time. Remove distractions. And the number one distraction that prevents us from engaging with our kids is what? Phones. Your phone, your phone. Which I was looking at right at that moment. (laughs) I don't know. My phone's lighting up. You're like on a group thread with me and we're texting somebody. But anyway, 
removing distractions is so important here. So one of one tip that I saw that I really liked is you can keep your phone two doors away from wherever you are with your kid. Don't have it in the same room as you. Keep it way far away from where you are playing with your kids so you can just be present with them and not, you know, where they're growing up and all their memories are of you staring at your phone. Because that's sad. No, that's a good tip. Let your child lead the way. Don't try to direct to their play, but allow them to invite you into their play. So don't come in and say, okay, what are we going to do? Let's do this. Let them kind of pull you in and then just go along with it. And the more you do that, the more they'll kind of bring you into their play. We're doing a lot right now. Fisher's getting into board games and that kind of thing. So we'll play Guess Who. We'll play Battleship. Actually, today we played Hi-Ho Cherio. And that was fun, even though I still call it Hi-Ho Cheerio, and he corrects me. Uh, Wait, what is it There's lots called? of games out there. <laughs> it's Hi-Ho Cheerio because there are cherries on the tree. Oh, you call it Cheerio, yeah. like the... But I call it Hi-Ho Cheerio. Okay. Yeah. Like the British expression, like Cheerio, old chap. Wow. Okay. That's for our, that's for our UK listeners out there. That's my sad attempt at a British accent. <laughs> All right. But then lastly, like if you are really just like, I don't know how I can play with my kid. Like this is just so weird for me. So new for me. I don't have a context for this. Think about getting involved with some local mom groups. There's a lot of great things going on at your local museum, at your local library. Uh, Here in our town where we live, there's a STEM learning center and we go there all the time. It's full of kids and parents and kids building robots and, you know, programming computers and programming different things. And it's just really fun to get out there and be with other parents and other kids. So that is my presentation on rough and tumble play. Thank you, dads, for being spearheads in playing with our kids. We appreciate it. We awesome. We absolutely do. Miranda, I think you have our spotlight for this week. I do have our spotlight. I have a spotlight for all of our rad dads out there. I don't know if they listen. They probably don't, but maybe their their significant others do or their parenting partners. But we want to say happy Father's Day to these fellas. We want to celebrate them, recognize them, and appreciate them today because they really do make our lives easier. And also, ladies, if you're listening, please talk to your fellas about going to the doctor and getting checked up regularly. Yes. That's the main thing. Make sure that your man is taking care of himself. We want him to take care of himself. We absolutely do. And I think that as a society, at least here in the United States, we have taken on this whole thing of like being annoyed with our husbands or our parenting partners. It's kind of like there's a whole inertia behind it. Oh, good word. It is an inertia. You're so right. And I our our spotlight this week is to encourage everyone to kind of take a second look at that because Mm -hmm. these guys really do help us out Mm -hmm. and we're glad they're there yep we couldn't do it without you fellas we sure couldn't we're all in this together and you guys make us better people behind every great woman there's a great man there it is (laughs) one small step for man one giant leap 
Oh, she's still recording. I'm still recording. <laughs> I was wanting to see where you go with this, but um, okay. It's not, not going to be pretty. Happy Father's Day, everyone. Happy Father's Day. We love you, daddios. If you like what you hear from us, be sure to follow our show. And if you really like us, you can leave us a review on the podcast platform of your choice. We want to be friends with you. Connect with us on social media by following at Mother Mayhem Podcast or email us directly at Mother Mayhem Podcast at gmail.com.